church. Good to see you. Yeah, the water baptism is going to be awesome. It's always a fun time. It's such, it's such a powerful experience in the water. It's, you feel like you're getting born again again. Yeah, and you have that tremendous sense of God's presence in the water. So many people that we baptized in water got filled with the Holy Ghost as they came out of the water. Speak in other tongues. It's just amazing. So, are we ready to hear the word this morning? Praise God. All right, so we are in a mini-series called God Knows, and uh, I think today will be the final one. Um, And we've spoken about the fact that God knows your name, God knows where to find you, God knows what you need. Today we're going to add on to it that God knows the way to meet your need. God knows the way. Would you say with me, God knows how to make a way? You know, loss of hope can occur slowly because of the hardships in life, the continuous hardships. We can lose hope. But then on the other hand, we could lose hope literally in a heartbeat, suddenly, because of a devastating event that took place, maybe the loss of a loved one, Uh, maybe the onset of terminal illness and you've been diagnosed with it, or perhaps a divorce, maybe bankruptcy, or just losing your job. All of these can bring on uh, this loss of hope. But no matter what you're facing, I want you to be aware of this today, that God can and will Make a way to bring about change. You don't have to stay where you are. He will bring about change in your life. That's that's what I want to talk to you about today, that God is going to bring about change. You might remember, maybe you don't, Pastor Cindy one time said that disappointments are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. And you know, as we go through down the road of life, we, we are often disappointed. Often things take longer to happen than we believe they should. Perhaps life's not treating you the way you think is fair. And then there comes a time when you literally choose to yield to that. And you become disappointed, despaired, distressed even depressed. And, you know, talking from self-experience, I know that on occasions that I was trying to listen to preachers encouraging me, but I couldn't hear what they were saying above the noise of my pain. And the words of encouragement that they were trying to give me were literally bouncing off the wall of my thoughts. The words, the, the thoughts, the despair in my mind, the tormented mind was just causing those thoughts to bounce out. And other times, yeah, I was looking for light in the dark situation, but I couldn't see the light. 
because of the darkness that was in my own mind. I want to say to you today, and I'm going to trust God to help you and me as we hear what the Holy Spirit says to us today, to bring about the change that God wants in our life. And that the Holy Spirit will give me words of life, words of hope. Words will turn your hopelessness to hope and your despair, disappointment, and discouragement back to a place where you can believe God is making a way. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Now, you know, you might be in a very dangerous situation. If you are in the situation that I've just described, you could have a sick heart. I'm not talking about your physical pump. I'm talking about spiritually and mentally. Look at the scripture found in Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is what, what, what I'm talking about is the thing that you've been believing God for, the thing that you've been hoping will come to pass, if there is an extended period beyond what you feel you can endure, you could perhaps slip into this discouragement. And this discouragement is a sick heart. You literally need ICU. You need to go into emergency care so that your heart can be repaired. Now, you know, we, we, we say this often, but today, more so, I want to say to you that you're not here today or watching online by chance. I believe with all of my heart that God has been working behind the scenes, whether you know it or not, to bring you here to hear what He has to say to you. Because He wants to bring about change in your life for the better. He is making a way. Say, God, God. is making a way. He's making a way. He has a plan to give you hope. You know, many, many storms in my life, as I often sit and reminisce with Jackie, who rebukes me, because <laughs> she always wants to look to the future. She never wants to live in the past. She always tells me, there's nothing you can do about the past. It's over. Live for now and live for the future. But the older you get, there's more past behind you than there is. And the, uh, the sad thing about, the sad thing about, I, yeah, I think about the good stuff. I didn't think about, but I think about the flippant mistakes that I made. About the stupid decisions. About the lack of wisdom. If only I had listened, made a wise choice, a better choice. Amen? Like, you know, I was flying one day, and next to me was a guy who was wearing a ring on the wrong finger, you know, and I go, uh-oh. So I said, you're wearing your wedding ring on the wrong finger? He said, yeah, married the wrong person. <laughs> but we make bad choices. But now listen, you know what the thing is this? I don't want to play the blame game. I don't want to lay any more guilt on you that you are already giving yourself. Right. Let's get you out of that. And this is what I've had to do. I've had to acknowledge to myself, you blew it. You shouldn't have done that. Now in retrospect, you've got hindsight, which is always 2020. 
Now I've got the wisdom of Solomon because I can see back there and I go, oh God, can't I do this again with all the wisdom I have now? Can I start this thing again? But you know, this life is not a mulligan. It's not a do-over. It's not a dress rehearsal. Get one shot at it. So I've learned to repent and to just say, God, I blew it. I'm so sorry. Now give me your divine solution. Okay? Can't fix up the past, so help me to do better today and make better, wiser decisions for the future. Are you all with me? Amen. Praise God. Now, God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I love that, that He can make a way where there seems to be no way. So you all know the story of Moses leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea. You all know the story. But I'm going to tell it again. There's so many things in the story that are so amazing. You know, the ten plagues have happened, and uh, Pharaoh's eventually released the children of Israel, and they all head out as a nation, and they come to the Red Sea. The left side is mountains, right side is mountains, and sea in front of them. And Pharaoh gets a bee in his bonnet that God sends, and he decides to chase after them. And he comes after them with his army. So now he's got the, they've got the army behind them, mountains both sides, and the sea in front. So what do the children of Israel do? They complain and blame Moses. Blame Moses. No graves in Israel, no graves in Egypt, right? Got to bring us out here to die. What is it with you? All your fault. All those miracles you did, we don't care about it. So Moses goes to God with this. And God speaks to him. So let's pick this story up in that verse, or verse 13 of Exodus chapter 14. Moses answers the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, I just want to pick out a few things that he said. The first thing Moses says to them is don't be afraid. When you are in a situation where nothing seems to be going right, everything, the wheels are coming off your car, you know, your whole, it's a mess and you don't seem to be able to make any headway. The wind is against you all the time and never as a tailwind. It's always like, come on, God, you know. The tendency is to become afraid because nothing you try is working. So now you feel there's no way out. There is no way out. How am I going to get out of the situation? And you become afraid. Now, fear will stifle faith. It will throttle it. Fear will actually prevent God from moving in your life. So the first thing he says to them, don't be afraid, is he knows that God's going to do something supernatural. And just before the dawn, it's darkest. Just before the light hits, is where Satan tricks us into giving up. And if you're there this morning, please understand, don't be afraid. And I tell you what, it's easier to say that than to do it. Okay? So don't just say to me, well, you're just preaching. I know. <laughs> and maybe these words are bouncing off the trauma and the thoughts in your mind. But maybe they will get through to you. Do your best. Don't 
be afraid. Say to yourself, I refuse to fear in Jesus' name. I'm not going to allow the devil to rob me of and put these thoughts in my mind and rob me. You know what I'm saying? Just do something to stand up with the little bit of strength that you've got left. Then he says, stand firm. Well, what the heck does stand firm mean? Stand firm. Stand still. Just stand and look around. Don't go anywhere. Stand firm. What does he mean? It actually means stand in faith. You see, we have to stand and having done all, stand. We're standing by faith resisting the works of the evil one. We're standing by faith believing God is going to do what he said. We're standing by faith believing God is making a way even though I can't see it or smell it or touch it. God is making a way. That is where I stand. I have to stand on the scriptures. Stand firm on the scriptures. So don't be afraid. Stand. And not just stand still, but in faith. Get to that place where you believe God. And he says, These, the enemy that you see now, you're not going to see them again. God's going to take care of them. This is the last time you're ever going to see them. And then he makes a statement, only you need to be still. Well, I know some people who need to be still. But it's not talking about that. It's not talking about the fact that you talk too much. It's talking about being in peace. Being in peace. That's what he's saying. He's not saying stop talking. Be still. Don't move. He's saying you've got to get into peace. Don't be afraid, be in faith, get into peace. You have to get to a place where you say, all right, God, there's no plan B. <laughs> there's nothing more I can do about it. And you know what? I'm just going to abandon myself on you and your solution. I'm going to abandon myself. You are making a way. Even where there doesn't appear to be a way. I can't see the way, but I have to be at peace and believe that you are making a way. Yes. Can you get there? Yes. I mean, that's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to cast aside the fear, cast aside the lack of hope, and just say, God, I believe you're making a way. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. <laughs> what? Go drown yourself in the sea. Move on. I had enough of you. He's telling him to move forward. Go forward. See, when we see, he didn't say stand still and move at the same time. That's why stand still is not stand still. It's be at peace. Now that you're in peace, you can move forward. Now you can move forward in God. Now you can move into God's plan. Now you can find that highway through the sea. Now you can find the dry land. Now you can move what God has opened up for you to move in. See, before then you couldn't see it. When you're panicking and you're freaked out and you're angry and depressed and everything else, you can't see the plan even if it slapped you in the head. So now move forward. God says to him, move forward. Raise your staff. Now watch this. Here comes the solution. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. That's what I want you to do. 
Raise your staff, do it. So God uses Moses to make a way. I know it's divine, but God used a man to make a way. And of course, if you continue reading the story, you know that there was an angel traveling with them in front of them, and also the cloud that shadowed them, which is also light by night, was with them. When evening came and they were standing by the sea, as the soldiers approached, the angel and the cloud moved to the back behind them and got between them and the enemy. This is a remarkable miracle. Whenever I read it, I go, God, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. Not only does the angel go back to protect them, literally God could say, I have your sex. For those who don't understand that, what mean, you know, I've got your back. Okay, it's, it's a high military term that we use. Anyway, the most amazing thing is that the cloud goes to the back and the one side it produces light and the other side dark. And then he throws the enemy into confusion. The wheels come off the chariots. All crazy stuff happens on that side. But on this side, there's light. As the east wind blows, sea opens up, the, dry, the, the, the seabed becomes dry and they're able to go through with their chariots. And then as you know, when the Pharaoh's army traveled, tried to chase them through, God closed the sea and drowned them all. Great story. Wonderful story. Now, <clears throat> you know, um, back in 2010, I was so moved by what happened. You might remember that uh, a ramp collapsed on some miners in um, San Jose, the San Jose mine in northern Chile. And there were 33 miners that were trapped 2,300 feet underground. Um, the whole thing collapsed on, on, on top of them. And so nobody survives that. 17 days it took for them to put a probe down 2,300 feet to find out if they were alive. And then the next day they were able to send a little bit of water and some food down that probe. And then the next day after that, they were able to talk, but only for 20 seconds at a time, to their loved ones that were on the surface. So they would be able to tell them whether they are alive or not. So that was huge. On the 39th day, a lady by the name of Elizabeth Sogavia gave birth to a little girl. And she called this little girl Esperanza. For you Spanish people, tell us what it means. It means hope. Hope. Call the little girl hope. She was hoping and believing still that her husband and the father of the little child would make it out. 68 days later, 68 days later, the last person came out of the underground in the mine. They were brought to the surface. And listen. They were brought up in a capsule like this. The capsule and the hole, the capsule was 23 inches wide. And the hole was 26 inches wide. And they traveled like that for 2,300 foot from down there to the surface. I want you to imagine you're the last person down there alone. The last the second to last person is gone and you're down there and you don't know if they're coming back for you. 
You don't know if you're going to make it. But they all got out alive. You know why? The people at the top and the people at the bottom put their hope in God that God would make a way. Do you know that there was one Christian man down there who would read the Bible to them every day and taught them how to sing songs to the Lord? And by the end of the time, all 33 of those men had come to the Lord and given their life to Christ. So I've got a way we are going to evangelize this church. Can I have the lights down, please? Shout, God is making a way. Amen. Now, God often, you know, He can supernaturally intervene, but very often He uses people to either show you the way or literally make the way. I want to read you a couple of testimonial letters from South Africa um, about us, Jackie, myself, and our ministry. I do this only to show you that God used us to make a way for other people. That's the reason. The first one I'm reading says, Dear Pastor Henry and Jackie, we would like to thank you for calling you to start a ministry in Valcom. You gave us an opportunity to become part of your ministry. You showed us a God kind of love. It is impossible for us, the blacks, talking about black people now, to forget the fact that because of the commitment of this church to reach out to everybody in the gold fields, that's where we had our church, in the gold fields, so much expenses was incurred on the black people. You taught us to love one another, to reach the unreached, to pray for the sick, to live by faith and prosperity. We are now an example to other Pentecostal churches in Tabong, that's the area, because of an uncompromised word of God which you gave us. Amen. It is an awesome task that we face, and we feel in, intimidated, even fearful. However, we are looking to the future with expectancy, for we know that we are, the peop we are people of destiny, and we wish to glorify God in all that we do. Thank you, Pastor Henry and Jackie. San Diego belongs to Jesus. That's what they said. From your black leaders. Then there's another letter here. I would like to take this opportunity to thank the Lord for Henry and Jackie Vormerantz. Henry's ministry was absolutely a turning point in the ministry of our church in Port Elizabeth. After he came and ministered the first time, our church's income doubled. And the promises made to pay for our buildings were honored, and many even gave more than they had vowed. The blessings received as a result of the seeds he planted went beyond finances, because having been released from debt, they paid off their debt, paid off their building. We were able to support missions and call more pastors who are now all ministering to the needs of our people. And that's from Pastor Jimmy Crompton. Now, here's a letter from Melutu, uh, the mountains of Misiru and Lesotho. I find this a great honor to give a testimony about what the Lord did in my life through Pastor Henry Vormerantz's ministry, his servant. I was newly born again Christian when I got in touch with the Word of Faith Church. That was the name of our church there. 
Like a sheep without a shepherd, I was deeply hungry for the things of God. I had started a fellowship at the Free State Cyplos gold mine. There were 26 gold mines where we lived. Where I was working, I was really in need of more of God and direction and His purpose for my life. The first day I came to the Word of Faith, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I knew that day God wanted me to enroll for Bible school. The first day. It has been under Henry's ministry that I got God's direction, will, and purpose for my life. My ministry is a prominent result of Henry's obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord grant Pastor Henry an ever-obeying heart. Dixon Monaghan. Dixon went on to establish seven churches in Lesotho and a school with a thousand children that they were feeding and clothing. Later on, they voted him as the mayor of the city of Misiru. Let me read one more. Your ministry has touched Brenda in my life. This is Pastor Chris and Fenter, Brenda, Brenda. Uh, Pastor Chris and Brenda Fenter. As well as all the members of our congregation on the principles of giving, this wonderful truth was something that was veiled to us for many years. God gave you some wonderful insights on the principles of giving that have had a dramatic and permanent effect upon our lives here at the Christian Center, East London. The result of your ministry during the following month after your visit resulted in a 100% increase to the previous month. And as proof of the anointing upon your ministry, it was thrilling to place on record that this 100% increase was no mere flash in the pan, but because the increase after that never dropped, but steadily increased as our congregation grew. An outstanding feature of your ministry has been the tremendous commitment that Jackie has shown towards your ministry. It was Jackie's life and testimony that assured us of the reality of giving. It would, I, I said, we would like to remind you of the vital spiritual link that there has developed between us and was sealed by a beautiful diamond ring that Jackie gave Pastor Brenda. So, I've got a whole file full of these that I thought I would just share with you out of humility and thankfulness to God that for more than 35 years, these letters were written in 1985. You can work out how long ago that was. We've been sharing those principles as we share with you. And churches have changed. People's lives have changed all over the world. So God used us as He used Moses. Stretch out your hand or speak the word. And people's lives were changed. Now having said that, I want you to think about this just for a moment, the flip side of this coin. God may use somebody to bring about change in your life so that you could see the way that God has for you. But on the other hand, the flip side is, God might just want to use you to bring about change in somebody else's life and point them in the way that He has planned for their life. Think about that. If you were to lead somebody to Christ or get them filled with the Holy Ghost or help them get water baptized or encourage them to go to Bible school, 
don't you think that you would be fulfilling God's plan for that person's life and making a way for them that they didn't even know was there? Their eyes are veiled at the moment, but you could be the instrument God uses to lift the veil. Can you say amen? amen. Say, God is making a way. Now, there's another terrible story, but it ends in great success. I hate even to tell the problems that these people were having, but the Armenian army had surrounded Samaria. And this battle had, that had kept them completely locked in for months. So there was starvation, inflation, everything you could imagine was going on inside Samaria because they couldn't get in or out to get any food. Total poverty. Well, it came to a point where two mothers decided to kill and eat their babies. It's in the Bible. I know it's a terrible story. So the first day they did, killed one of the babies and ate it. But then the next time, the second mother backed out and said, I'm not going to do it. So the news got to the king. He was furious at the situation that occurred. And he blamed God for this dilemma that they were in. Now, isn't that familiar? That when people sometimes get to that place where their back's against the wall, where nothing is going right, everything is going wrong, everything they put their hand to fails, and the problems just get, you know, just get worse and worse and worse, that many of them turn and blame God for the situation they're in. So he says, you know what? We're going to kill Elisha. Let's bring that prophet here. We're going to kill him. It's his fault. So Elisha stands up, and this is what he says in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And ten quarts, quarts of barley uh, grain will cost only one piece of silver. And the officer assisting the king says to the man of God, This couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. There's always got to be somebody like that on the committee. Can't have a committee without a Judas. Somebody's got to complain. You can't have all 12 people being happy and full of faith and let's do this, gung-ho. No, we've, we've, we've got to have somebody that says God can't do that. You might even have someone like that in your family. And when you want to say, I'm going to believe God. And what they say is, what has he done up until now? That's a good answer. <laughs> so Elisha says to him, you'll see that it will happen with your own eyes, but you know what? You won't be able to eat any of it. Now there are four lepers in Samaria, and they come up with this great saying, why sit we here till we die? In other words, they have nothing to live for. They're going to die anyway. They've got leprosy. Okay? They're going to die. So why don't we just go across the enemy's camp Maybe they'll feed us. Maybe they'll give us something to drink. And if they kill us, so what? We're going to die. You know, we've got nothing to lose. You know, it's like they're playing poker and one of them threw their hand in, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, 
Only a few people got that. The rest of you, don't worry about it. Okay. Really off-the-wall joke. So uh, they decide to go, but they get there, and there's nobody there. The whole Armenian army is gone. What God had done, he had made a noise of an approaching army that was so great that frightened the snot out of these people. And so they ran for their life. They left everything, their jewels, their money, their gold, animals, everything. So the four lepers gorged themselves, and then they felt bad about it. And they said, you know, we're going to go and tell the guys in Samaria. They go back to Samaria. This is what's happened. So the king puts his assistant at the gate to control the people, and he gets trampled to death as the people are rushing to get the supply. Say this out loud. Say it out loud. By this time tomorrow. Turn and tell somebody, by this time tomorrow. Tell somebody on the side, by this time tomorrow. Now the question I have is this. Do you identify with the lepers or do you identify with Elisha? Are you at the point where you go, heck, I've got nothing to lose. Everything's been taken from me. I'm going to die anyway and my family is broken up and I'm in a divorce and things couldn't get any worse. I've got nothing to lose. Well... Well, you know what you could do? You could turn around and say, nevertheless, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. Okay? Or you can identify with Elisha who says, by this time tomorrow. Why don't we take a deep breath and go, you know what? I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. Why don't you just start Hoping again in the God of hope. Come on, just start hoping again. You have nothing to lose. I believe I'm empowered this morning to prophesy to you. Change is at the door. I feel strongly to say by this time tomorrow, something is going to break loose in your life. There's going to be a way that there wasn't before. Something is going to open up in your life. God is going to move in because God loves to do things for His children that stagger our imagination. He is the God of the impossible. He loves to take impossible situations and turn them around because just when we're out of breath, when we reach the end of the rope, He says, no, no, there's plenty more rope. I am the God of the impossible. This is where I begin to move on your behalf. Can you believe? Can you praise God for that? Thank you, Lord. Change is at the door. Do you sense that? Change is at the door. Say this, by this time tomorrow, God will make a way. Now listen to what the word of the Lord is for you today. Found in Hebrews 13 verse 5 out of the Amplified Bible. I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Assuredly not. What is your impossible situation? Is it really impossible? If there's a God in heaven that loves you and loves to do the impossible, I thought all things were possible with God. Am I right or am I wrong? I thought he said, nothing will be impossible to you if you believe. Am I right or wrong? Well, shout this out. By this time tomorrow, tomorrow, 
Change is at the door. God is making a way. I believe it with all my heart. I receive it in Jesus' name. Now let's give God praise. Come on, let's rejoice. Close your eyes. Think about what the Holy Spirit was trying to say to you today. And you know what? You still might be battling those thoughts. Pastor, you just don't know my situation. You don't know how bleak things are. You don't know how problematic they are. Friend, I don't need to know. Because I serve a God of the impossible. And if you're still sitting here thinking that what you're facing is impossible, just give God a chance. Think about those 33 guys, Chilean miners. Who would have thought that 68 days later they actually would be saved? Who gets saved from being in a mine, locked up in darkness, without air, without water, without food, and makes it out to tell the story? How dark is your day? But you think God can't bring about change. How painful is your pain? You believe God can't heal you. Friend, you're in church this morning and you're watching online because you actually believe. That's why you're here. You're not an unbelieving believer. You're a believing believer. You believe that God is on your side. You believe He's the God of the impossible. You believe He can change your tomorrows. As Pastor Jackie says, there's nothing you can do about yesterday. But oh my God, does He want to help you today to make those wise decisions today. To make the right decision today. Don't let today be numbered amongst the bad decisions, the wrong choices. While we're in this state of prayer, I want to ask you, friend, is it time that you came back to God? Is it time that you put your faith back in Him? Is it time that you let the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness go? Is it time that you stop thinking about what the relatives have done to you? Is it time for you to have a clean start in your life? And give your life to God and ask Jesus to take the steering wheel. Take the wheel, Jesus, of my life. I think that's why God has got you here today. If you say, Pastor Henry, you're talking to me right now. I don't want to make a bad decision today. I don't want to walk out of this church today after God has spoken to me like this. I'm going to recommit my life to Him. I'm going to. I'm going to start again. I'm going to put my trust in Him. If that's you, friend, would you kindly lift your hand? Let me pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you're sitting. Indicate that. Pastor Henry, I need you to pray for me today. I'm going to 
give my life back to the Lord. Thank you for those hands that have gone up. Well, anybody else who want to join those who have raised their hands already? And God is going to make it a massive change in your life. He's going to bring about the change. You know, maybe God has wanted to fill you with the Holy Spirit, baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And for whatever reason, you've resisted Him. But He wants to bring about change in your life. If that's you today, and you haven't received the baptism from Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you make a wise decision today to receive Him? Just raise your hand if you want to receive the Holy Spirit today. Just like Dixon did. The first day he walked into our church, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was already a believer, but he got filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, friend, just wherever you are, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Perhaps you say, Pastor Henry, I've got other problems I'm dealing with. And this message was just so for me. It was like you were talking directly to me. And you want us to pray for you today. Would you raise your hand for prayer? If that's you. Thank you for those who raised their hands. All right, I'm going to have everybody stand. I'm going to have our ministry team come forward. If you raised your hand on any one of those calls, come on down and find somebody age appropriate to pray with you. Please come on down. I'm not going to beg you. It's your problem. It's your life. If you want help, God is the solution. You just come on down and stand with the person. Come and stand with us. We're going to pray with you. All right, one more opportunity to come and join us. Were you sincere when you raised your hand? Were you sincere? Then come on down. Let's give them just a few moments. If you would stand quietly, have the music play a little bit as they come on down for prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you need prayer for anything else that hasn't been mentioned, feel free to come to one of the ministry team. Feel free to come out of your chair and come to one of the ministry team. Would you do that if you need prayer for anything? Come and join us. 